Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, taping this on a Friday morning. He is Austin Price, writer and talker over at VolQuest.com, a very good sports and Tennessee sports specifically website that you should go subscribe to, like myself today, if you are not already. Austin, which month is the hardest for you to do your job? Uh, I would say February because it's wintertime, it's mm. a dead month, and there's just not a whole lot going on. So, um, you know, I, I would probably go then. Um, I like when it's more fast paced, when there's stuff going on. It just it makes work more enjoyable when it's mm. more stagnant and you're having to try to search for content or things to talk about. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's just not as much fun, in my opinion. I'm imagining February changed a lot because obviously early, I mean, National Signing Day and what that was. So now you kind of have this break in February. Do coaches have the same kind of thing? Do they really get away? Do they actually unplug all that much over the last month? Yes and no. Like, you know, they don't they get the break from having kids on campus, but they're still mm-hmm. having recruiting calls, which that'll never really end. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and look, coaches are or tinkers by habit. So they spend the whole month, you know, working on spring practice and getting a jump start on your opponents for next year. And, you know, I mean, like they're constantly doing things now. I mean, there is a little more downtime, like coach Garner, he had knee surgery during mm-hmm. the month of February because he had to be knee replaced. So, I mean, there's a little more time there um, than, you know, there used to be. And, and let's face it, there's a big push right now for there to be more dead time uh, because, you know, college football is losing, in college basketball too, because of the in you know the invention of NIL and the transfer portal, college coaches uh, in all sports are looking to get into the professional ranks because it's just a lot easier. So mm. you've got to find ways to kind of combat that, and the easiest way to do it is to have more dead periods when uh, you don't have to have kids on campus and and be a, a constant constant spin wheel of of recruiting. What do you think is the most realistic immediate change to the to the college coaching calendar? What do you think it is? Uh, you know, I, I think you just find more dead space um, probably, you know, sometime in spring. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately January is going to always be open. February is dead. I think you could, you know, even put part of March is dead. Um, and then, you know, coaches can get out on the road, you know, late April, early May and, and go into evaluation. They're not going to want that to end, but you know, if, if it, you know, if it got tweaked a little bit and you had a, an extra week there to have a little bit of downtime, I don't think coaches would be upset. Um, you know, and then I'd love for them to, you know, go dead all the way from the end of June, all the way through September one. Hmm. Uh, I think that would make things a lot easier because you're really dead for most of that. Anyways, you're dead in all of August as far as kids coming on campus, you're dead in, most of July, but they opened it back up for like a week. Mm. And I just don't think that's necessary. I don't think enough stuff happens in that one week because coaches are getting ready for, you know, fall camp that it warrants opening back up. Hmm. Um, so that, when do you think a timeline is on that? Do you think that happens? So, like who decides that? Who is the ultimate de- decider in when dead periods get moved around? How, how does that work? Well, it'll be the NCAA in conjunction mm-hmm. with, you know, you know, you know, coaches and kind of, you know, lots of stuff gets submitted and voted on. And mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I think you see something like that more probably in the next six months. You mm-hmm. know, and again, I don't think it'll be drastic. Uh, I think it'll be 
small tweaks to help everybody out. Um, but again, I think it's the combination of NIL and the mm-hmm. transfer portal. I mean, kids, you know, kids used to could bounce, but they had to, you know, sit out a year without winning a waiver. Now they can just bounce anytime. Well, that's fine. Um, but the problem is, is when you incorporate NIL, you get into a lot of this tampering that's going on. And 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 kids, man, they're shooting their shot. You can't blame them for it. You know, mm. I mean, they're asking for the moon, and that's in all sports across the board. You're, you're going to ask for maybe more than you're actually worth. You know, and see if somebody's willing to, you know, come up with the nil dollars, which is really, you know, I mean, I get, I understand why Nick Saban's making the stance he has. I also, think it's a bit unrealistic. Mm. You know, I mean, Nick makes you know over ten million dollars a year. You know, I mean. What does he do? You mm-hmm. know, you know what 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 do coaches do? Do they do they they go to the place they get paid? Right? Mm-hmm. They don't go to the school and go. You know, I'm gonna get you the hometown. <laughs> that really rarely happens. So, like most of these kids are gonna ask for uh, a ton of money, and you know, uh, you can't you can't blame them for shooting their shot. I mean, some of them, this is you know the most um, the most likely scenario to get some money um, during this time, and so. You know, I, I just hate it's turned into what it's turned into because it is taking away from the game off the field. But once the, the players get between the white lines, college football is still college football. Mm-hmm. And it's like fans notice. Like you're not going to know. Like I think it's always funny when people are like, oh, let's just play for the love of the game. And it's like you had no idea before. You have no idea after. Like <laughs> uh, it's not going to change your enjoyment of it. Is any is anybody going to get involved early on on the ground floor here with the Neyland Hotel where they're like, hey, I know, uh, look, I'm a, a rising junior here. Um, when is that Neyland Hotel coming about? Because uh, I'm ready for some NIL stuff there. Do you think? Uh, that's going to happen more as more businesses pop up that guys are like forecasting what's happening around Knoxville as pot opportunities for NIL. Yeah, maybe, um, mm. you know, at, at the end of the day, and, and this is kind of where like, I, you know, I think, you know, I think Nick Saban is kind of pushing the whole, like, you know, Hey, let's, you know, let's get rid of collectives. Cause mm. at the end of the day, like, you know, a lot of these kids are getting paid through collectives, you know, mm. and, and they're getting their money. If you take those away, it's going to be the top one, two percent, the Bryce Youngs of the world, the Hendon mm-hmm. Hooks of the world are, are going to get theirs. But, you know, is Brew McCoy really going to get his in, in, a, in a situation where it's the top one, two percent? I don't know. You know, I mean, I think that, you know, again, they they went this re- way for a reason. You know, Congress got involved and, and, you know, basically, you know, smacked the NCAA around further inability to, you know, take advantage of, of student athletes and make, you know, billions of dollars and they got no piece of the pie. Now, you know, the toothpaste is out too, but I hear people, I hear people in Congress, I hear people and you're talking about, you know, good luck trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Mm. You know, you got two or three of Tommy Tuberville, Joe Manchin. It takes more than a couple of people pushing this, mm-hmm. you know, and are, are, you know, bipartisan, you know, people going across the board going to go, yeah, I'm going to limit what those, those athletes can make. I'm going to limit what these students can make these 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids. I'm going to tell them they can no, make no more than $50,000. Mm-hmm. That really going to happen? Cause I just don't see it. Maybe it does though. Yeah. Um, someone Tennessee recently landed that you did not think that they were seriously in on was who? Oh man. Um, you know, I don't. I can't say that there's anybody. I mean, like mm. Harold was a surprise, but he wasn't as a surprise. I mean, Tennessee's been the leader since January. It was a surprise when he did it. 
I think it was mm. a surprise to some on campus when he did. Um, uh, I, but I wouldn't call it a surprise. You know, most of these kids, you know, you, you just everybody, you know, look, uh, we all have relationships uh, mm. with the prospect or with people on campus. We got to know where things stand. I, I, it's probably 1% of, you know, 100 kids that come here that, you know, really come out of left field. I mean, most of mm. it's telegraphed. I mean, I love that J.J. Harrell was kind of out of left field. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it makes my job a little more hard. I probably wouldn't be happy if somebody else had it, but no one else had it, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, I think it's great that he kind of, you know, did it on his own and, you know, didn't put out the eyeball, eyeball emoji tweets and 2 o'clock and, you know, all that stuff. So, um, I enjoyed that. And, you know, again, it, it very, very rarely does one surprise you um, that, that they land. You know, James Pierce is, might have surprised some other people mm-hmm. that he signed with Tennessee, but not me. I mean, like Tennessee had been working that one extremely hard. Um, you know, so again, it, it just it, the way it's the way it all plays out and the way it's kind of crafted, it's it's really hard to be totally shocked when they land anybody. Is JJ an inside guy or an outside guy? He's an inside guy. Okay, who can play uh, outside? He's kind of like Hyatt. Mm. You know, I can pump out and play outside if needed but you know for the most part with the slot okay um what's been the biggest staff difference in how they recruit now versus uh how they recruited when hypo first arrived um I, I think their board has grown um you know i think when they first got here they were you know because they were battling the ncaa sanction stuff you know I, I think that they were recruiting a different kind of player and probably mm-hmm wasn't as big as it needed to be i think their board is much bigger i think their interest level from top end guys is is greater um Mm. and part of that's because you know the ncaa clouds kind of you know it's kind of went away i mean i know it's not done done but you know i think everybody acknowledges there's not going to be a a postseason ban and really that's all that kids care about kids don't care if you're under two scholarships they don't care if you can't go out for a week recruiting like that Mm. doesn't affect them it has no effect on kids has no effect on anybody. Has no effect on the fans. The only person mm-hmm. that affects are the coaches. So, like, the only thing that would affect fans, affect the players, is the ability to go to a bowl game, the ability to play in the Orange Bowl, the mm-hmm. ability to, you know, to compete to play in the playoff. And none of that stuff is happening. And so, thus, you know, I just don't think it's, you know, I don't, I don't think it's as big as it could have been. So it's not going to happen, you don't think? You don't think this is going to end up with a postseason ban of any kind? No, I don't, I don't think the NCAA can really go down that route. I, okay. I think they would be – I mean, I think you would seek legal action. I mean, you've you've seen – you know, and they're going to be – they're going to fight legal action with everything they do. They try to hit mm. Miami with, you know, these two girls basketball players, and now John Ruiz is what? He's suing the NCAA. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think the NCAA is – trying to find their place. They're trying mm-hmm. to still have some teeth, but I think that's really hard. And again, I think ultimately, you know, how they handle Tennessee will be a guiding map for what they are going forward. Because if they have a hit Tennessee, when Tennessee literally, Hey, we're, we, here, here's everything. They mm-hmm. handed over everything. Nobody hands over everything. Mm-hmm. Then it's, going to be a bad look for Tennessee because they, you know, everybody said, don't do that. And they did it. And it's going to be a bad look to see the belay. You praise Tennessee for the way they handled this. And yet you still tried to throw the book at them. 
ultimately I think a lot of this gets resolved and and what you what what ends up happening is maybe Tennessee ends up giving another couple of scholarships and some time on the road recruiting kind of is, is not there for a week or so. Again, that's something you and I and everybody else really isn't going to notice. The people that will notice it are the coaches. That's it. Mm. Interesting. Um, what is your favorite part of covering recruiting uh, for Tennessee, and how has it changed the most since you first started, Austin? People. I hmm. love people. Uh, I love moms and dads and aunts and uncles and kids, and you know, you know it, it. It's amazing. Um, you know, it, and this isn't a like a toot my own horn thing because I think anybody that covers recruiting, when if you stood over there in the complex as the players leave through that north entrance. And you put every media guy out there, they're going to naturally come up to the people that have covered them dating back to high school. Hmm. So, you know, they're going to come up to me. You know, they're going to come up to Hubs if they know Brent and he still dabbles with the recruiting while overseeing everything. They're going to come up to Matt Ray. Um, they're not going to, you know, necessarily come up to guys that that have never talked to them. They don't know those. They they might see their face in a in a press conference, but as far as being comfortable, having a feel. Um, they, they know me, they know mm -hmm. other people that have covered them in recruiting. And so, um, I, I think that part of it is, is very beneficial for me. Um, and I just like, I just like people, man. I mean, like, uh, you can always find something to talk about with Murfreesboro kids. I bring up Toots or Demas's or some restaurant, you know, um, you know, it, it's, it's like that kind of everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just think that ultimately how it's changed is, is, you know, I mean, social media is so much more of a thing now. Um, kids are more into the photo shoots, the graphics, the videos than they were 15, 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, again, it, it's very rare when a kid doesn't put out the eyeball, eyeball emoji tweet, you know, that draws everybody's attention. Mm hmm. Um, to their social media platform. But again, now they're being told, hey, the more you're active on social the better NIL valuation mm -hmm. you're going to have, right? The on three NIL valuation. So like the more kids are active on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and all that stuff, their on three NIL valuation goes up and it says, Oh, mm -hmm. now I'm worth $64,000. Now I'm worth $130,000, you know? And so kids buy into that stuff. And so, you know, not every kid, but a lot of them. And so I think that's probably how it's changed the most. Which recruit do you think you know the most to this day? Who do you think you got to know the family as a whole? Who do you think you have the best well, feel for? I mean, like, it would be the Mays family. I mean, mm. I'm extremely tight with Cade and Cooper and those guys. And now, you know, obviously I joke with Camp, you know, that, you know, I'm always telling him I've got my ideas for his commitment video and mm -hmm. 33 or whatever it is. Is this the last uh, one or are there more coming down the pipeline? Is it no, a uh, Colquitt situation or is this it? No, the, the, I mean, uh, the Colquitt's had two. You know, yeah. this would be three Mays. Yeah. Um, it's true. Clawson too. Okay. This is a big yeah. one. Number three. Yeah. Yeah. And camp's a big guy, but I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like I've got a really good relationship with a lot of guys. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and still talk, I mean, I still talk to Trey Smith a ton. Um, you know, I feel really comfortable with all the guys on this staff, uh, or not this staff, but this, this roster. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, I, I think, you know, when you can kind of get in on the ground floor and you don't make it about you, and you don't, every time you talk to them, it's not for an interview. I, I think that, that kids are like, you know, man, I like that guy. He doesn't hound me for quotes every time he sees me, every mm -hmm. time he talks to me on the phone. Sometimes he just calls and shoots the bull. Mm -hmm. And, 
I think that that's uh, something that resonates with kids is like, you know, and that's why I've always tried. And that's what I respect about Matt Ray is Matt's very much of like mind. It's not every time you talk, it's an interview. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys that don't like that. You know, they're not, you know, these kids aren't means to an end. And that's kind of how I've always viewed it is, yeah, I mean, I've still got to do my job. I've still got to do some interviews. I try to make it fun when we do the interviews. Um, I, I try to let the you know fans see the personality, which is why I do so much video stuff versus written. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if he's like, man, I like Tennessee. That sounds a certain way versus just written word. Mm-hmm. I like Tennessee. How did he say that? You know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, I think that the kids appreciate it. Um so so much, but I mean, even guys that you know never really played, like a Pat Martin, you hmm. know, I mean, you know, I felt like I really knew him. David Oku, um, same thing. And again, those guys were here for a small minute, and then they weren't. Yeah, uh, my chops are. I just like I just graduated with my master's at UT, and uh, I would just see them around campus sometimes. And I would just I realize I would joke with uh, my buddies here and my wife, or I'd be like, I just. I'm the awkward wave guy with people I know. Like I'm, I'm just walking by and I'll just be like, why did I just wave at Sakai again? Like Sakai, I think I have waved and made eye contact with him four times since he's been here and never had anything to say. I'm like, why am I doing that? I don't have any follow-up. I don't have anything to say to Sakai. Like he's just walking. Like I have nothing for him. I have nothing for anybody. I do an awkward wave. It's just it's it, weird. It Maybe awkward to you for him. It's someone who waved, acknowledged him, mm-hmm. was a friendly face, but didn't come and like hound him. Yeah. And so like, you know, I think that's the other thing is like, you know, you have to understand these kids get hit at every turn, especially yeah. the most popular ones. And so, you know, I, I think that, you know, you, you find a way to not hound them and wear them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that they're very reciprocal to someone who just has a friendly wave. So while you may feel like it's awkward, I'd say mm-hmm. they probably appreciate it. Someone who acknowledged them without, you know, needing a 15 minute conversation. Yeah, I have nothing to say. My dad had an incredible, like, love my dad to death. We saw Philip Fulmer walking out of uh, TBA two years ago, I guess. Um, my dad was like, full, and he had no follow-up. Like, he stopped him and started talking to him, walking out of the building, and just nothing for him. He just was, like, so excited to talk to Philip Fulmer. And I was like, what's happening? You don't need to do this. We don't need to do the minute and a half with uh, <laughs> Philip Fulmer stop and chat. Like, I, I don't know what, he, he wasn't ready, but, yeah, my dad's about the conversation. It's just... Uh, it's not my deal. I don't want to bother him. Like, uh, here's a peek behind the curtain, Austin. This is a scoop for you. Saw Christian Conyer uh, at the movies the uh, with my wife the other night. And I turned around. I just was like, oh, that's Christian Conyer. And I think I was the only one who knew. Because I mean, he's new. He's a rising uh, freshman and all that. I was just like, hey, Christian, good luck this spring. <laughs> and I kept moving and just, hey, okay, that was cool. I was like, I know that guy. And he's just doing his own thing, just going to movies. Don't know if he saw cocaine. He did not see Cocaine Bear, I don't think, because I did not see him come into our theater. Now, that was fantastic. Highly recommend Cocaine Bear. But especially in Knoxville, for the local Knoxville listeners, they all yelled and chanted when they said when they showed Knoxville. And like this was a Knoxville story at the beginning of the movie. It was, it was fantastic. It was, a, it, was a, it was a fun time. But there you go um austin uh your best vol club interview thus far has been what oh man you know i I would say it's probably jalen hyatt um Hmm. if i my i'm really partial to the first one we did though with cedric tillman and Hmm. josiah jordan james just because josiah um you know just i don't know he played well as kind of a co-host, but also was kind of someone we talked to as well. So, I mean, like, um, 
you know, I, I, I left that interview and I remember seeing him on campus like the next day. And I said, you know, if you play 10 minutes in, in professionally or 10 years professionally, you need to come back to being an analyst. Hmm. Like he, he, he's engaging, he smiles, he's got a good look to him. I mean, he's a guy that you'll see on the SEC network, in my opinion, if he wants to be. Do you think he will? Uh, I think I think there's a ch- real real chance of that. I mean, again, I think that that you know when when you get done playing professionally or whatever, how, again, how, no matter how long that lasts, no matter what you graduated with, mm. more than likely you're gonna be like, man, I just kind of I'd rather just I'm, I'm around the game, mm. I get to be around the game, I get paid to be around the game. This just sounds a lot more fun than doing blank. What's your strangest or funniest uh, fan reaction to you in and around Knoxville? Has anyone ever stopped you and been like, I didn't like what you had to say about Tennessee this week. Have you ever been at Savelli's and just someone stopped you and was like, hey, hold on. I didn't like the nation. I, I didn't know what you said. Uh, have you ever had any of this? Uh, no, because no one will ever tell you to your face. Uh, mm. You know, listen, there was a ball quester mm. who I, I'm big in like, you know, kind of like, you know, because I, I very few people actually understand how it really works. So like I've been mm-hmm. kind of like, Hey man, I'm going to like take you behind the curtain here. And like, I'll give my number out to, to people and be like, mm-hmm. here, just call me. Let me explain it to you. It, it'll make more sense. And so I, you know, there was a guy and he was, I don't know. He was, he was not happy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, here, just call me. Well, he takes, he gets, he takes my sit out there for everybody to see. And you know, people call me zero. Huh. Nobody's going to have the guts to call me. No one's going to have the guts to come up to me and say anything about but to me. They, they, they'll, they'll, they might, you know, poke fun at my weight or whatever on Twitter behind their screen handle, but, you know, they're never going to come up to my face and say anything because mm-hmm. that's not what people do because people, for the most part, are afraid to actually do that in person. Mm-hmm. And so um, my weirdest interaction probably was at the Chick-fil-A in Lenore City. Okay. I pulled up. And the guy that's standing out there at the drive-thru, he's got his head down in the iPad. He mm-hmm. looks at me, I know you. You're AP. <laughs> I've been hoping you'd come through our store. And I, while I appreciated his, his nice comments, mm-hmm. and his comments, I really wanted to reply back with, man, we got to work on some stuff for you. Have you been sitting around for <laughs> me to come? I mean, like, I mean, like I'm nobody. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I mean, he was very, very, very nice. And that's what most of the people are. Most mm-hmm. people are, I mean, I would say 99% are very, very sweet people a long time ago. And, and, and I've always told my wife, I'm like, people that stop me, mm-hmm. like I'm a nobody. And so like, I can't imagine like being Bob Costas or Jim Nance and how mm-hmm. those people are like, you know, treated when they're going public. Cause I mean, it happens quite frequently. My kids are always like, daddy's so famous. Everybody knows my daddy. And like, and I'm like, well, just cause of Tennessee football. Mm-hmm. And, um, but like I, I made the point a long time ago when people stop me, I, I'm going to sit there and talk with them as long as they want to within reason. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know if they want to sit there and talk to me for 10 minutes, I will, I will take my time because I would much rather them walk away from an interaction with me saying that guy is a nice guy. Mm-hmm then that guy is an, an a-hole. Like, I, I don't want anybody saying that. But there's people, there are people that are, 
that are not going to like me or Brent Hubbs or Rob Lewis or anybody that never have ever had a conversation with us. They just don't like us just because. Mm-hmm. And then there are also people that would, you know, blindly follow anything we say just because. And so, you know, I, I, I try to, you know, try to take everything with a grain of salt because for every person that has a nice compliment, there's always somebody sitting there in the wings ready to rip on you on Twitter or, or on the message board or whatever. So, you know, I just try to approach it and try to be nice to everybody and try to have a good time. Who would you say of the VolQuest staff is the most different uh, than what they seem to be on air or through their writing? Who do you think is the most different and just in the group of friends and just one of the guys? Who do you think is the most different personality-wise? Um, I don't. I mean, I think kind of everybody is who they are. I mean, mm. you know, Grant's a quiet guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and I, and I think he reflects that with kind of you know he, he he's kind of you know got the tongue in cheek sense of humor and you know um, very and, dry you know dry but I mean like mm-hmm. again, he, he can pull a zinger on you in a, in a heartbeat and then kind of give you that you know, sly grin and and it's funny to me mm-hmm. uh, you know um, hubs you know he really is kind of Eeyore I mean you know <laughs> Debbie Downer you know mm-hmm. and and he knows that. You know, Rob is who he is, you know, Eric Kane is who he is, Matt Ray. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, everybody, I don't think anybody's personality on the message board reflects different than their personality in real life. Mm. And, you know, I think that's a good thing because I think the biggest thing, you know, anybody can be is just authentic. You know, I mean, you might think, you know, I always tell people like I'm a blunt guy. I say things that most people won't say. Mm-hmm. And somebody may think, you know, he's an asshole, but I'm the same guy all the time. I'm mm-hmm. not fake or phony. Like I just am who I am. And like, again, you're always going to get an honest opinion of me from me, whether you like it or not. And, you know, kind of take it or leave it. I mean, some people don't like honesty. They'd rather be told what they want to hear. I'm not that way. I just kind of, you know, if you ask me my opinion on something, I'm going to give it to you. You may not like it, but you know, I'm not going to sit there and sugarcoat it for you. I like it. Um, player coach fans most get, get wrong currently or got wrong in the past that you knew pretty well personally was who coach or player. Mm. Um, coach wise. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, like, you know, again, the Jeremy Pruitt that I knew mm. um, was a pretty good guy. Now, again, I'm not saying that he can't be that, that can't be different in a, in a team room setting or with other people, um, but, you know, it's a pretty good guy. Uh, Butch Jones, I think after Butch was fired, you know, Butch was much more humble. Mm. And, and, and I remember, you know, telling him, I'm like, you need to be that guy. Whenever you resurface, wherever it's at, be the that guy. You know, I mean, he worried too much about what the janitor thought or what the person in double Q thought. Like, you mm-hmm. can't think that way and be successful in this league or really in college football in general. Like, you you really have to kind of have like a no conscience. Like, I don't care what others think. I'm this is the way we're going to do it. You know, mentality. You can't worry about you know every little person that's around. Do you think and, that's how Hypel's wired? Uh, yeah, I think Hypel is very much wired that way. Um, mm. You know, uh, you know I, I think Josh is a very genuine guy, an authentic guy. Um, you know, I mean, 
like I hope Josh coaches here for as long as he wants to. Um, now, I mean, look, college football gets more and more difficult every day. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, could I see him going to the NFL? Yeah. I mean, like, mm. I'm not saying he's doing that. I'm just, and I'm just saying, like, every day there are different challenges. There's more challenges, and so you know, if 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 an NFL team came along and wanted to offer him a bunch of money, I mean, I think he'd be dumb not to go. And mm-hmm. it's just a better life, a different life, and a lot less headache. And um, but I mean, I just don't, I don't see him leaving Tennessee for another college job. I mean, everybody brings up Oklahoma. I mean, maybe, but I mean, as long as Bob Stoops isn't play there, like I just don't see that either. And and real honestly, I think he likes Tennessee. Like I remember last year when the Oklahoma job first came open. I mean, he told me and Hubs, he was like, "Why, why, why, why do people like think that this is just automatic that I would leave? Like mm. Tennessee is an unbelievable place." And it's like, well, I mean, Tennessee fans are just waiting on the other shoe to drop. And you know, he said, well, they need to understand how great this place is. I said, no, I think they do. But I said, you know, it's been 15 years of one thing after another. And so, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I, I think that for the most part, you know, Tennessee's had a lot of good coaches. Not, I don't mean just head coaches. I'm talking about like assistant coaches the last 15 years um, that are as far as people, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of good human beings. Um, big fan of Zach Azani, Kevin Scherer, um, Jay Graham, you know, I, Walt Wells, Don Mahoney. I mean, these are good people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, you know, you may not like it because the offensive line didn't block one game. And so you're like, oh, this guy's not good. Mm-hmm. Receiver dropped the ball. Oh, this guy's not good. But as far as human beings and, and people that, you know, love their time here, love Tennessee, loved everything about it. Every one of those guys I just mentioned um, were big fans of Knoxville, big fans of Tennessee, and, you know, enjoyed their time here. Um, Tennessee will finish higher than 10th in recruiting for it on on three in 2024, true or false? Um, I'm going to say yes. I don't know if they get to the top five, though. I think somewhere between five, between six and 10 is most likely. That's good, though. Like, I think that's a good place. I think Tennessee fans would be okay with that, right? Year over year? Again, like, you you just want to be close enough and Mm -hmm. and then rely on the development. You don't have to have, I mean, I get it. It's about, honestly, though, it's about, you know, your evals and who you're beating out. Like, Tennessee's class was, what, 11th, 10th, Mm. whatever it was this past year. But, like, look who you beat out for those guys. Who did you beat out for David Hobbs and Arion Carter and Jordan Matthews and down the line? You beat out real teams. Like, mm-hmm. there, were, there were years that Butch, you know, especially near the end, he had a good class, but, like, he was beating out four-star, paper four-star for, you know, beating out McNeese State, you know, or whatever. I mean, like, just wasn't the same. Like, this, this past mm-hmm. class was really, really good. And, you know, I just think, you know, defensively the last two classes are where this program takes off the james pierce josh josephs elijah herring caleb herring jordan matthews jeremiah t lander tyree west tyree weathersby those players are where it really takes off would it surprise you if dylan sampson breaks through as the do it all back this year um yes Really? And it's not a knock on Dylan Sampson. I'm just not sure that there's going to be 
there's so many running backs in the room. I'm just not sure anybody's going to be marquee enough hmm. to break through like you're talking about. Um, do I think he makes more plays this year? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He'll get more chances. But the the one that I worry most about is is <clears throat> Jabari Small because he's not mm-hmm. going through spring. And Dylan Sampson and Jalen Wright have a real chance this spring to slide right by him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm interested to kind of see how that running back room plays out. And then how quickly can Cam Sullivan pick it up? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, maybe you just, I, I look at Jabari, it's like, do you have the conversation with Jabari? Like, hey, um, you're going to be our goal linebacker. Like, here's the thing. Like, that's already what you were doing last year, the vulture stuff. And it's just, uh, you close drives and uh, let Jalen and Dylan do all the stuff until we get inside the red zone. Because, I don't know, I just feel like Dylan has the most upside. Is that fair? Like, I think his ceiling's the highest of anyone in that room in terms um, of what he could actually, uh, Cam is still a huge question mark. I'm not going to throw Cam in that mix. Of the three we've seen the most of the last two years, I would say. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, he's just smaller. I still think yeah. Jalen Wright's got the, the most upside. Um, mm. But I, I think, again, you give Dylan Sampson more opportunities, especially opportunities with the first team offensive line. What does it look like? Mm. You know, and I think that's, that's the part we don't know. Um, you know, we just don't know at this point what he looks like getting the ball. 19 or 20 times with the first team offensive line. All right. Last question here. This is something that I was, I thought went under the radar, Austin. Taven Jackson, I think leaving now was a mistake. And we're not like, I. <laughs> this is something that I look at where I'm like, Walt Bell, the offense has not been good. I was going through just what Indiana was last year. 87th in passing offense, 128th in yards per attempt. Obviously, an Indiana guy. He's going to have a good opportunity. Sure. Tom Allen was almost out of a job this past year. Like, Indiana was really bad. Michael Penix Jr. took off after leaving Indiana to go to UW and following Kalen DeBoer. I think if things go awry for Joe this spring or early on this fall, I think he would have had a real opportunity. I just think the Indiana thing wasn't going anywhere. Were you surprised that he didn't give it at least one more year to see what Joe looked like under his belt? No, no. They saw Nico and fall in in in, in uh, bowl practice. Mm. I mean, I really think that's what it is. I mean, mm. you know, because um, I mean, he didn't even go through. Sp- I, I was surprised he didn't go through spring. Yeah, like just to see. I, I'm surprised he didn't make it to the football season. I'm surprised yeah. he didn't go through spring. That tells me he wanted easiest path and he knew his path here was going to be extremely difficult getting mm-hmm. past Joe trying to fend off Nico. And, you know, I, I just think ultimately that was kind of why Taven decided to go ahead and go, go ahead and get through spring at Indiana, try to become the guy there and, and roll. Mm. Well, that makes sense. Um, 10 seconds or less. This is a quick one word answer. Nico Yamaliava starts more or less than three games this year for Tennessee. Less. Okay. There you go. I'm, I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm on the Joe. I'm on the Joe. I think Joe can hold on to it. I think, again, more mature, more reflective, understands it. I think Hendon, if Hendon is never here, I don't think Joe sees his, his, his potential. I think the hmm. fact that Hendon was here and then that's, you know, became the guy 
and Joe didn't do what every other prospect does, which is, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. Even mm-hmm. just transferred down. He kind of stuck in there, was a good teammate, and ended up living with, you know, Hendon this past fall. I, I think that opened the eyes for Joe. And I think Joe has a – I'm not saying he's going to win the Heisman because I don't think that. But I think Joe – has a really good year this year. And, you know, Nico will play in his four games and go from there. Yeah, I think Joe, I think we all want Joe to win. And it's, I think Tennessee fans as a whole are grateful for Joe to stick around and what he did for Hendon. I think everyone wants it to work out. I just, Austin, I was in the building when Harrison Bailey chants were deafening uh, for Pitt, Tennessee, two years ago. And that's not an easy one to chant. Like that was not something around me where people were like, where's Harrison? Like everyone, that was the thing is where's Harrison all around Tennessee. Nico's an easy one to chant. Nico is just going to still be on the sidelines. I just think the pressure is going to be something that we, you can't really forecast until game week until it's 35, 27 against UTSA at home in the third quarter. Like that's, or maybe 17, 13 against UTSA in the third quarter where it's like, uh Oh, this is getting a little easy because UTSA is on the calendar. That's the one I've circled where I'm like, I think that's going to be a close dog fight. Like UTSA is really good. And I don't know if Tennessee fans are ready for UTSA to give Tennessee a good game uh, at home, but I don't know. I just, it, I think it's a different, different beast that Joe has not seen yet of just having a five-star superstar around campus. Who's going to be the most notable guy on the roster. Which is why those young defensive guys taking mm. a step, taking a step, helps the whole situation. Yeah. And it's not Joe's not Hendon. Anybody that yeah. thinks that he's going to be or is, is going to be mistaken. But again, Joe still has a skill set that I think can can resonate um, yeah. with 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 most. And so, you know, I, I understand that there's gonna be a Nico shadow there, but at the same time, that's a a, a fan driven thing. The fans yeah. that you pointed out wanted Harrison Bailey. Harrison mm. Bailey is nowhere to be found. Right. Like, you know, I mean, that, that's not knocking. And I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying it's going to be there. Like, that's going to be looming in the background. The fans just yeah, screaming. Yeah, if any, if anybody over there, Joe's unaffected by such things. Thank you, Chandler. He's unaffected. There you go. Awesome price. We can read you, watch you over on the VolQuest YouTube page, VolQuest podcast. Very good mailbag shows. You do the Ball Club Confidential that folks can go check out. You had, uh, what, Griffin Merritt today on yes, uh, Gr- the program? Mm-hmm. There you go. He looks 37. Griffin Merritt is one of the oldest uh, looking Tennessee he, baseball players I've ever seen. He sounds he sounds 37 too. Really he does. Smart, really smart kid, articulate, big fan of his. There you go. I love it. Tennessee plays at home this weekend, so I'll probably get out for at least one of those this weekend. Look at stuff. Subscribe today. Ballquest.com. Uh, it's e- it's cheap, easy to use, and all that great stuff. Go join the General's Quarters, all that good stuff. Then you can see AP and his gifts and all that good stuff. Austin, thank you so much, and uh, we'll have to reconvene again soon. All right, sounds good, Chase. Thank you, man. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.